today on Geekdemine Powers. People are allowed to have their opinions. Whether it's right or whether it's wrong, is that is not even a point for me to consider. They're allowed to feel the way they want to feel. They're allowed to think how they want to think. Uh, the only thing that I can control is myself. And so with that uh, sober thought, you know, I just, I never respond. I have a zero, uh, a zero response promise of, of not responding to anything that is negative. I just let that energy be where it's at and I just continue on my path. You are listening to Geekdom Empowers, the podcast about people empowered through their geekiness. Welcome back! My name is Guy Hasson and you are listening to Geekdom Empowers. Geekdom Empowers is the podcast that highlights creators and fans in the geek world who do not often get to be highlighted. It's these people. It is us who make up almost all of the geek world. By talking to each person, by hearing their stories, Geek Them Empowers creates a huge, giant, world-sized quilt of the geeks all around the world. Each person is a story, and together we are one story, one huge Geekverse quilt. Before we begin with our guest today, um, let me just say, uh, we've been away for a week. I had this crazy, crazy idea that comes from Geekdomine Powers that I can't talk about. But in the future, uh, when you hear about uh, a startup, which hopefully is successful, uh, that is able to empower geeks, you know it happened this week, this last week, you will know. And it is inspired by Geekdomine Powers and by all the people uh, I've seen. So possibly news to announce soon anyway. It's crazy stuff. I had a crazy idea. It's, you know, I'm a science fiction author. I have crazy ideas in the startup world. Basically, what you can do is you can make your science fiction ideas happen. So let's see if that happens. And now, our guest today is Brian Hawkins, an indie comic book creator with his own unique story and journey. He'll walk us through that journey, which includes... A surprising stop as a ghostwriter, which completely blew my mind, as you will see. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that happened. And uh, so he's going to take us through comics, through responding to trolls, through the projects he's working on, and so much more. The more I interview indie creators, be they in comics, animation, or anything else, the more I learn that the indie part of that is a function of the person's need to take a truly personal path and to write slash create very personal things. It is not a coincidence that everyone I've interviewed, at least, is indie. It is part of their personalities and mine too. So let's listen to Brian Hawkins. What are all those things behind you? Um, My... Part of my toy collection, I have a couple comic books. I have, uh, let me see. So one of my favorite cartoons from my childhood is Thundar the Barbarian. Oh. And um, and a gentleman, a friend of mine that I met online through Twitter, um, he goes by the, uh, the uh, stage name, I guess, the pseudonym, Comic Proposer. Um, but he, his real name is Dustin. He, uh, he sent me these Thundar pop figures. Uh, mm-hmm. 
so I keep them kind of behind me. Um, I have a couple more action figures behind me. Um, the Walking Dead. Um, Wait, hold on. I, I, I don't remember who Thundar is. Like Thundar. Okay, so it was um, done by Hanna-Barbera. Um, yeah. It was a... Um, it like like He-Man, actually, you know, um, except it was set, you know, um, in this kind of futuristic yet barbarian savage land. Um, and he had a sun sword um, where where the sword was like sun energy and it, and it came out of like the uh, hilt. And like, zoom. Uh, and so he was a protector, um, the chosen protector. And um, Princess... Ariel, I believe, this is going back to the 80s now. Yeah. Um, she was uh, a companion of his, fought with him, but she she used to be the ruler of that land, I believe. Um, and so they were fighting against this, I cannot remember the name of the bad guy, um, but who, you know, kind of like a, like a skeletal kind of figure who wants mm-hmm. to control the land. I completely missed yeah. that in the 80s. I was there in oh, the 80s. Yeah. There were Thundercats oh, and there was He-Man, but I don't remember Thundercats. That- Thunder Barbarian, yeah, one of my favorites. I, I think it was on for maybe like a season or two, but yeah, missed it completely. The Ewoks, <laughs> the Ewoks. Well, yeah, they were you know Star Wars. They had a cartoon, yeah, yeah. I yeah. I think I was recently thinking that that is how I learned. Like I loved Star Wars. Star Wars was is imprinted on me, and but you know I didn't love the Ewoks uh, cartoon. And I didn't think that everything Star Wars should be seen by me. I should see the good stuff. And there you go. It, it didn't hurt me that, you know, there he walks. I didn't like it. That's it. It's done. Okay. So I interrupted you. Uh, oh, no, no, no. You're wrong. So uh, what is uh, your origin story? My origin story, as far as comic books go, as yeah. far as writing. Yeah. Um, so, well, uh, I've always loved storytelling and it kind of goes all the way back to uh, watching soap operas with my mom. You know, it was it's just been something that I've always, I just, I love stories. Um, and I ended up going to college. I majored in English. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I taught English for 17 years. Um, in the midst of that earlier on in my teaching career, um, I, you know, you taught was, English for 17 years. You look like I taught 30. English. You look 30. Oh, well, thank you, but I'm not. I'm, okay. I'm, 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 I'm 43. Okay. Uh, but, but thank you though. I will take that. Um, and so, uh, earlier on in my teaching career, um, you know, I was sending out screenplays, you know, and so forth and so on, aspiring mm-hmm. writer. And, um, I started a theater production company. Um, so, you know, cause I, I love the stage. I love the theater. So, so for a few years, you know, I wrote, produced, uh, directed my own, my own plays uh, regionally, you know, in the Virginia area. What kind of plays um, were they? And, um, so I would call them like, I guess you could call them gospel plays, but they were, mm. but they were more um, family oriented. More stories? Like moral stories? Moral stories. Yes, definitely. Yeah. You know, a lot. A lot about the human condition, uh, family, relationships, stuff like that. Um, the first one was called um, Confessions of a Black Man's Soul. And the next one was called Full of Souls. 
Um, and the third one I did was called uh, A House Divided. Uh, so kind of, you know, along the vein of what Tyler Perry does mm-hmm. um, is what, what, what I did for a few years. And, you know, then I met my wife and we you know, got married. Uh, we had, had kids. Uh, so the playwriting and the producing and stuff uh, went to the back burner some. I, you know, I began writing some books. And in, in around 2012 um, is when I began writing comics. And I had begun getting back into reading comics, which was, you know, something I did in my childhood and, and you know, when I was younger. And as I got, I got older, you know, in the high school, in the college, I didn't do it as much broke away from it. And so I kind of returned back there, back home. And I'm like, you know what, mate, I should write a comic book. And so, uh, or well, see just, if I can try. The, so the, before that, just be, before we get into writing comic books, what kind of comic books did you like uh, during your childhood? Oh, it was superheroes. Like I didn't, I had no idea then about any of the independent stuff. So it was Marvel and DC, Marvel what? and DC, you know, Spider-Man, Batman, um, Wolverine. I love the cartoons as well, the, the X-Men cartoon. So I was all in on that. I even collected the like the uh the Marvel trading cards. Like I had a stack of them. Uh so I was really into that. Um and so yeah, so you know, my return back to comics actually wasn't uh like as far as a collector, as far as a reader, I should say. Um, was more independent stuff. Like I didn't know that the independent stuff existed um, until my until I was in my adult years. And I'm like, whoa, wait a second, what? This is a, how long? It was completely like it was, it was so cool. Uh, and that was actually through um, the Walking Dead. The Walking Dead. I'm like, whoa, like they're doing this, and I didn't. I just didn't know that branch of comics existed. Um, in the early 90s and even before that. But uh, so I tried my hand at writing, at writing comics. I I bought some books. I bought a um, a, a how to write comic books uh, by Dennis O'Neill. And, you know, I went through that and uh, I learned like how to script. And I've always been a fan of, of, of script writing anyway, because, you know, Insta plays and, 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 and screenplays. So um, I just dove all in in 2012 and I've been doing it ever since. And From uh, self-publishing. What, to, well, let's get to that. What was your first comic book about? My first comic book, um, oh man. So it's kind of neck and neck tie. It was, um, I, am, um, I am Michael Watcher. Um, I actually have an old copy of it. Um, it's a horror slasher um and it basically is about um a young kid who uh just wakes up one day and he has his tattoo on him it says i am like a watcher but he's mm-hmm. been missing for like like a week and so he doesn't know what has happened to him so that was my first one that was my first comment but right behind that um like right behind it i started writing um uh a comic called America's Kingdom, which was actually a screenplay um, that I that I wrote years before that I sent out that um, nothing really happened with. So I am Michael 
watcher in America's Kingdom. I'm still writing America's Kingdom now. Uh, it is, it's, it's more polished now, um, but I'm on issue five of that. So I'm hoping to release that uh, through a publisher sometime next year, hopefully. Okay, so you began, let's go now, let's continue the story. You began to write uh, comics. And then uh, what did you do? How, like, how many comic books did you write? How, when did you decide to become uh, a publisher? So self-publishing was, you know, Kickstarter was just about happening, you know, just coming on the scene then. Um, and so I, I tried my hand at that. And, you know, for most of my writing, my comic book writing career, um, you know, I've, I've tried to self-publish. I don't feel like... I've been consistent in that, um, but then I kind of, from self-publishing and getting that experience, um, I kind of gravitated into freelance writing, and that happened through Upwork. Um, I had some, um, I had a small portfolio of the of the self-publishing things, and and I did some some small work for small smaller publishers who also was using. Kickstarter as a way to distribute. Um, and so I submitted to Upwork and they and um and they allowed me to come on as a freelancer. And then I got to meet a, a whole lot of independent creators and some companies who were um looking to put some independent work out. And that helped me also to to build up my portfolio of comic book writing as well as 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 writing novels. I I got the chance to write a to ghostwrite like several novels, um, and you know, that just let's let's talk about that. What do you mean? Like, what kind of novels did you get to ghostwrite? Is it um, famous people? So, I'm sorry. Famous people's. Um, so here's 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 what I learned with ghostwriting is that and it really blew my mind because I didn't understand it at first. Um, there's a lot of writers out there that are not. The writers, not the authors, mm-hmm. um, and I really did not understand that until I began to ghostwrite. Um, and like they, you know, they take on a pseudonym, and you know, or they might use their real name, but really, you know, there's another writer behind them. Um, and so, what really tripped me out was when, like, I wrote this book, and it was, uh, uh, it was on Amazon. And I got to read the reviews of the book and they were talking about the author, but the author was me, but they didn't know it was me. And the author I knew uh, had a pseudonym. So that, is, that wasn't even the author's name. So I'm like, wow, this is mind blowing. So, so when I went. Wait, was this uh, fiction? Book, this is a fiction? This is fiction. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like famous authors are not actually their own authors? Actually, or is well, I mean, mean, I, I mean, I. I honestly can't say who, but of course, um, but they're but, Categories, but, like. but they but I mean it's, it's it's across the board as far as like genres, like it's completely across the board. It uh it's it's it that happens in every genre. Um, like, and I have to like I have to because I know like business books, uh, like you know the Donald Trump uh, whatever the thing the out of the deal was yeah. written by someone else. It says Trump. Yeah. Gary Vaynerchuk no. isn't good at writing, but he, everything he says is there. But he has his own ghostwriter, which was not a ghostwriter. He write, you know, he gives his name in that thing. William Shatner wrote Star Trek, but there are other people down there who actually know how to write stories and they help. Yeah, 
helped each other. And uh, by autobiographies or biographies, uh, what's his name? The famous, yeah, the famous, I forget him. He's a, the one who worked with Clinton. Um, yeah, yeah, like so a lot of uses people. Yeah, go ahead. No, 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 I'm sorry, go ahead. There's a famous, uh, uh, a famous author who publishes like three, four times, uh, like every book he publishes is James Patterson. Now, James Patterson yeah. wrote his first book. Now he gets other authors to write and then he edits them or helps them. Mm-hmm. And it's based on his stuff and they both get credit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which category do you fall into? Oh, oh I am 100% like a ghostwriter. Not, well, I haven't ghostwritten anything in a few years now, but like uh, when I did, like my name was nowhere. Like I wasn't like partners. It was, I was hired as a ghostwriter. I had to sign an NDA um, and like, that's their work. It's just, I'm their hired writer behind their work. But it was a whole world. category of books. Like I'm just, it's blowing my mind. People, oh, okay. People who get paid, like here's a person I know isn't being ghostwritten, like Judy Bloom. You know, she gets, she writes her own stuff, I'm guessing. You know, I don't know. Like people who are famous, Zadie Smith, uh, people who are famous for being authors who write in their own style, right. they can't be ghostwritten, right? That's not what you're talking about. Or is it? Um. Well, so I can't speak to like who and who's not, but I'll say that in fiction writing, yeah. Um, like, you know, anyone could be ghostwritten. Yeah. But I mean, do you think they are? No. Like, like I don't think, uh, here's what I can say. Yeah. That it really made me think like who is and who's not. Like I literally would walk into a bookstore and be like, oh my goodness, I don't know if this author's writing this anymore because I know now that there's, there are companies, there are, uh, there are independent, they're independent, um, like, authors who you know they they seek out ghostwriters and it could be not not that they can't write it could be the fact that they don't have the time anymore or it could be that you know they have a story idea but they don't know how to structure it so they hire a ghostwriter it's a whole arm of publishing the publishing process that i was not aware existed until i became a part of it okay so you know yeah, and that's from ahead. science fiction from from science fiction to the supernatural. I mean, I've I've, I've written stuff for, uh, like within those uh, within those genres, science fiction and and the supernatural. So, I am yeah. shocked. Okay. <laughs> it shocked me too. Okay. It shocked me too. But but yeah, there are prof- there are professional ghostwriters. Like this is what they do for a living. They make hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Um, wow. Just ghostwriting. It was isn't it was amazing to me. Yeah. Okay. That's <laughs> mind blown. I'll put this Fine. aside. I'll, I'll I'll take time to to get it. And uh, okay. So after you go, I, I interrupted you because I got ghostwriting. Oh, Stop no. me. Oh no, you're fine. And that's not to say every author does that. That's sure, not no, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But 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 you know there is a a pocket of authors, a pocket of of, of companies that 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 is a thing so i'll tell you why i'll tell you why it's blowing my mind not because you know because me, most of the good authors they have a specific style that is really hard to imitate well 
Like you wouldn't think Neil Gaiman is being ghostwritten because he's right. so specific. His talent is so you can tell that's his story. You can tell that's his chapter, that's his paragraph, that's his sentence. Uh, so it would blow my mind to think he's being ghostwritten. Like obviously he isn't. And um and I think most authors who are famous who don't do junk uh, uh, can be spotted by how, how they write, the style yeah. in which they write, and the depth in, into which they go. So that's why it's blowing my mind. No, I totally get it. I was there. It, it, I was there. I'm, yeah, it blew my mind too. So it made me question, again, when I walk into a bookstore, I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, is is this, who's actually writing this? It made me question. It also but, but, brings know. to mind, you know, like if say you write for a person who writes bestsellers, like again, James Patterson tell, you know, says, this is my partner in writing. So that's not hidden. So let's say James, everything he does is a bestseller, right? So, but you would think like when a famous author who gets a bestseller, but he didn't write it, you wrote it. Do you feel like, why am I not getting book deals? Why am I just being a ghostwriter? Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, I got that review, and that's where my mind went. I was just like, "Oh man, I don't, I don't know if I like how this feels." Where like, this is really like my work, but yeah. I signed off that it's not my work. So I don't know, you know. So, um, you know, some people I think they, you know, they. I think you have to be cut for it, made for it. And I think that, you know, for it to become like your career where you're a professional ghostwriter and you always do this. And I think that if that's, you know, your path, then that's your path. It's not, it's, it, it just wasn't my path. Yeah. Um, I definitely enjoyed the experience of it, but it's not something that I want to, you know, keep doing or pursue or to even like grow into a business or anything. Okay. So let's get back to comics then. So we were at self-publishing. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, through, from self-publishing, I began to do some freelance work through Upward. Um, I, I actually um, got linked up with uh, Mad Cave Studios through Upwork. They were looking for an editor. Um, and, uh, and so I, I, I applied for the job. I sent a proposal in uh, my portfolio. And, you know, it just blossomed into... You know, not just an upwork thing, it blossomed into like me, you know, you know, like really working directly with them and not through upwork. Uh upwork was our, our platform of introduction, but um, you know, it just blossomed into this this great relationship and they're like family to me now. Um and so uh from there, you know, I got more uh work freelancing and grew my portfolio and that then uh you know, that, that also builds into your confidence to doing more, you know, writing more, getting more work out there, getting the feedback from clients. And I remember my, my not that I lacked confidence anyway, um, but I, there's something about doing something more and more, getting the proper feedback and continuing to grow that builds into uh, your confidence. And so I started to send, you know, my portfolio out to different places. like, you know, Zenoscope. I reached out to Black Box. Um, eventually, you know, I, I ended up talking to the publisher 
at Black Box and he and I, you know, began a relationship and I've been working with Black Box ever since. Uh, and then, you know, I eventually, you know, got connected with Xenoscope and uh, continuing to grow that relationship. And from there, you know, that portfolio is building. You, you're, you're talking to people, you're building relationships. Um, you know, I was watching this link up with uh, the CEO of Scout, um, Brendan Denon. And, uh, and from there, we kind of built a relationship. And that's when I was able to uh, um, shop Black Cotton, uh, a comic that Patrick Foreman and I were creating with Marco Perugini. Um, as an artist, and we were able to like shop it to Scout uh, because of that relationship uh, that Bernadine and I had had formed, and all of that, you know, is just an extension of, of all you know the previous work and trajectory going all the way back to self-publishing. Uh, so, so you know, it's just all a process, and, and at the heart of that process is building relationships. So, so there's a big part. Basically, you're saying that. If you create relationships, it's easier for you to uh, get published. Um, I will say that, well, hmm, yes and no. Not necessarily to get published, but the more relationships you build, I think there's more opportunity to be found. And that opportunity might not necessarily be publishing, but, um, it's, but it's some kind of opportunity. Uh, it, but it could be publishing. Well, if you know the people and they're willing to look at your stuff, you know, your stuff's going to have to be good, but it's much easier. Right, yeah. yeah. Right. Good um, product, good relationship. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let, let yeah. people know what Black Cotton is about. So Black Cotton um, is set in an alternate reality where the social order of white and black is reversed. And uh, it's the story itself is built around and hinges upon um, an elitist family, the Cottons, a black family, um, who um, their son is the black sheep of the family, and he's decided to uh, be a police officer. And so he tragically um, shoots a minority white woman, and that kind of jumpstarts the whole social tension uh, that already exists within that reality. And so, how are people? He's the white sheep of the family. Um, so uh, how are people reacting to it? Like, uh... So it's very interesting. Very, like early on, uh, when Black Cotton, you know, first came out um, almost this time last year, um, in February 2021, uh, when Black Cotton issue one was released um, through Scout, um, the reception overall, the majority was very welcoming and, 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 you know, it was very exciting, you know, um, it was, and I think a lot of people was curious because you have this alternate reality where, you know, the social order is flipped. So um, in, in this reality, you know, African-Americans, Black people are the majority as far as what's considered minority and majority and white people were the minority. Um, and while there's this look at race, um, you know, in that log line, the focus is social order because race is an extension uh, of the social order in, in the social classification that exists. So in this reality, you're looking at, you know, the one percenters, the elitists, uh, the billionaires and millionaires 
you know, they're, they're black, they're the Cottons. They are the Carringtons that, you know, we see on, on, on Dynasty, you know, yeah. they're the Ewings, you know, in, in Dallas, instead of it being a, a, a white family, it's a black family. And that's crossed the board in this reality. And so with that, um, there was a small group uh, who responded with, you know, like, oh, this comic book is racist. It's, 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 no, no, I don't want to read that. It, it, you can't fix racism with more racism. And it's, and I'm, I'm like, wow, you know, you haven't even read the comic book, but, you know, um, you think it's racist. There was a guy on Instagram who, um, who said, uh, I have never in my life wanted another creator to fail as much as I want you to fail right now. And I'm like, whoa, like he hadn't even read the book. He didn't know me, but like there were some seething words of hate simply yeah. off, off the he, fact that he yeah. said that and he didn't read the book. He had not read the book, no, but he, and he said he wouldn't, he, he wouldn't read it. He, oh. Simply off the fact that the, so, the social order was reversed, he considered it racist, which is, which is crazy to me because, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you look at a man in a high castle and that's a, that's a, a, a alternate reality, but um, no one called the author of that anti-Semitic. They, I'm also they, thinking, they is it racist against, who is it racist against? Like, is it racist against black? Well, it, it's not racist against, exactly. The whole Ooh. idea though, is that telling a story where you flip, it's just, it is the sensitivity of race that exists in the world, mm. but the sensitivity of race specifically in the American culture of black and white to where um, if you reverse something like that and the story event happens to be a black man shooting a white woman, then it becomes an idea of racism. But the story, I mean, if anyone read the story, they, I mean, it's definitely not racist. And what Patrick and I attempted to do with it, you know, was open up a, a, a floor for um, dialogue and open up a platform for people to uh, read the story and discover for themselves different perceptions and not a white perception or a black perception. It's really just a human perception, like how you see events, how do you see social order, and how do you see yourself? Um, and, you know, it, it's been overall, uh, like I said, you know, that's a small majority that, that you know, will, will comment on Facebook posts and IG posts, but the majority of it, like reviews, reviews have been great, um, you know, from the comic book community. So we're excited about it. And we're excited about volume two, which we're halfway halfway done with. How are you dealing uh, with like yourself uh, when you get such statements uh, like the one you mentioned? The, the human response, that's, that's it. The, egotistical response that's immediate there's like oh like i want to respond back i want to say wait wait a second you know i want to challenge that thought i'm not 
I wouldn't call myself an argumentative person. Um, like I, I like being in a good debate, but I wouldn't say like there's any aggression behind like, yeah, I'm not someone who just wants to just jump in and, and get his point across or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, but that initial impulse, like to just wanting to correct and to respond is there. But I immediately just take a step back. Um, I don't believe in in letting other people have my power. Uh, like, so like me, you soliciting a response from me, you eliciting a response from me gives you, I, I'm giving you my emotional energy, my power. And I don't like doing that. So um, I put it, I, I just put it into perspective and I accept the fact that, you know what? People are allowed to have their opinions, whether it's right or whether it's wrong is that is not even a point for me to consider. They're allowed to feel the way they want to feel. They're allowed to think how they want to think. Uh, the only thing that I can control is myself. And so with that uh, sober thought, you know, I just, I never respond. I have a zero, uh, a zero response promise of, of not responding to anything that is negative. I just let that energy be where it's at and I just continue on my path. It's interesting. And, but there are things that you do respond to, right? I'm sorry, say that again? There are things that, are, that you do respond to. Like, um, you don't like respond to anything. You respond to certain Well, no, no, no. Like, if someone leaves a comment that is not negative, that, you know, if it's a question or if it's you know, anything that's positive, mm-hmm. not even to the sense where they're, like, there's, like, like, it's congratulatory, but anything that's not negative, I will respond to. Like, if, if uh, someone has read, like, and they have a question about something, I would gladly discuss uh, enter a discourse. Like I, I love interacting, so I don't mind talking about anything. But whenever there's something negative, like someone, uh, like you can tell, like like they're trolling or they just want to want to start an argument. Uh, I, I I see it and I don't do anything with it. I just let it. And and I don't erase the comment either. Um, Patrick and I had a discussion about that because like on the Facebook, like on some of our ads. It was some, there was a lot of, of, of hate from this small group with, with the same perspective. And we, and he discussed what, you know, he suggested at one point, like, you know, should we delete those comments? I'm like, no, like let the negative, let the negativity, let, you know, their racist perspective saying that this is racist, let it stay up there because they have a, a like they have a right to have their opinion and I think that other people reading this, I, I think people can learn from it. You can still learn from other people's negativity. So we left everything up there. And, and, and it's, you know, if you went back on Facebook and you, you searched them out, you could still see, you know, and we end up having people who read the book come in and defend the book. Like, like have you even read it? And they will list what the book is really about. So it was a, it was a very interesting uh, um reaction from 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 both sides so you wrote black uh, cotton and you started publishing it and how did you market it like how did you let people know that it exists um so scout publishing um has a great marketing team and they had their own 
like they have hundreds of, of stores that cater to and put out any books and specifically scout books. Um, they sell their books directly from them. And they also, um, you know, distribute through Diamond, Lunar, uh, multiple distributors. Uh, so Scout played a huge part in uh, in getting the book out, you know, traditionally and on the mainstream. Uh, Patrick and I, you know, we reached out to podcasters, reviewers. Um, we reached out to uh, stores uh, initially offering to send a preview copy of issue one, you know, because we wanted the book to be, you know, on their screen, before, you know, at least as far, as far as a digital copy goes for them to read it so that they can experience it. Um, because it's something new and, you know, you have this independent book um, with this subject matter, um, this concept, and it's, you know, we're competing against, you know, Marvel and DC and, and, and all the other wonderful independent comic books that's out there. So, you know, allowing uh, podcasters, reviewers, and store retailers to actually read the book uh, uh, before ordering the book and bring it into their store um, played a huge part. And, you know, we were fortunate to like, I think we made like 20, 25, possibly 30 some um, comic book media persons. And it, you know, oh. and, I, and I think that was great for getting the word out about what Black Cotton is. Like what? Um, what kind of podcasts were you on, for example? Um, so you have the Comic Burrito. You have. Um, uh, I actually had to like no, my notebook. Is it like? Um, uh, we did a couple collectibles. Um, mm-hmm. I can't think of the that title. Um, there was a smaller one based off, um, a smaller one based out of based out of Canada that they were beginning in conjunction with um, their store by Farside Comics. They began their podcast. Farside eventually ended up doing um, an exclusive cover um, of, of of Black Cotton with the artist. Oh, like, Ryan G. Brown. Um, so, like several podcasts. Um, I don't have the the list, but if it wasn't a podcast, it was a review. Um, and so we kind of like of that issue one, and we kind of continue to do that to where um, people who groups of people who were um, part of that initial push for issue one to come out, we would send those same reviewers. And podcasters issue two when it's about to come out issue three um so that they would have a chance to get a preview of the book before it came out in stores and and, th- and all that's a part of also building the relationship and that's what we wanted we wanted to uh not only present the work but we wanted to build a relationship with um potential readers the audience um so that we could all interact so what was the next step for you? The next step as far as Comic writing books. Apart. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so since Black Cotton, uh it, it's 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 fared very well. Um and it's it's helped me to make some more connections and build some more relationships. Um uh right now um we're working on 
volume two, which we're hoping will be uh, in stores probably May, probably May or, or June. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in a process right right now. I can't I can't I can't say the title and I can't say who the publisher is, but um, I was able to uh, sign with um, um, a really cool publisher. Uh, that's really well known, um, and you know, th- and I was able to pitch stories to them, and uh, we finally settled on one. And uh, and I- I'm actually in the process of of, of writing the scripts uh, for that series now, and so maybe midway through 2022, um, it should be out. The- Believe it or not, the artist just sent me. Uh, some of the first character d- designs for it. So I'm really excited about that. Um, so an, an, an announcement for that should be coming out um, in the next month or two, probably. Uh, so that's my focus right now is, is that along with um, my writing for Black Box, uh, I'm, uh, I'm on my, hmm, I'm on my third volume of, of a story I'm writing for them. Uh, so, so Black Box is definitely keeping me, definitely keeping me very busy. What do you do for them? Uh, I'm a writer for them. So um, I have uh, a title out with them called Devil's Dominion. Um, mm-hmm. And that one's about uh, a young lady who um, basically sells her soul to the devil to get out of a very bad family situation. Uh, and then she reneges on the deal with the devil and she then begins to use her imbued powers uh, from the devil for good. Um, and so that's Devil's Dominion that ran for five issues um, beginning last year. That actually came out maybe two months before Black Cotton did. That came out December of 2020. Um, and I have a new title with Black Box that's supposed to come out uh this February next month called Wilder. And that's set in a futuristic uh, San Francisco 20, a near future 2039. Uh, and it focuses on uh, Dr. Deja Wilder uh, and her Wilder investigations group, which um, <clears throat> fights against um, animal rights violators and, and, and poachers um, in this futuristic world in 2039. Um, the animal business is a big business um, with originals that we call them and, and cloning as well. And so this group of professionals um, are trying to protect um, original animals as well as clones from big businesses. So that's called Wilder and that uh, is coming out in February. And I have two more. Um, I have one more title with them that's going to be coming out. And I have two more books, volumes that I'm working on uh, for, for Black Box. So they're keeping me busy. Yeah. And is there anything else you wanted to mention that we didn't mention? Um, no, no. I, we, I feel like we covered a lot. Um, I, I definitely have enjoyed uh, the diatribe, the convo. Um, allowing me to talk about the stuff I'm doing and even diving back into 
uh, my origin story, which I don't get to tell a whole lot. So I definitely appreciate that. Cool. Uh, where can people find you? Um, Twitter. I'm on Twitter a lot. I am a fan of Twitter. Um, at Brian L. Hawkins. Um, my webpage, brianhawkinswrites.com. And my substack um, is brianhawkinswrites.substack.com. Um, and my last one is mm-hmm. IG, uh, which is Brian Hawkins Writes. <laughs> so if you type in Brian Hawkins Writes, you normally can find it. Thank you so much to Brian Hawkins. You can check out all of his links in the show notes. Now, next time, because there's always a next time. Next time, another indie creator with a wholly unique path and a unique approach. Stick around for that. Now, what did you think about this episode? Email me at guy.hasson. She spelled H-A-S-S-O-N at geekdemimpowers.com. The website is geekdemimpowers.com on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We're at geekdemimpowers. If you want to check out my other podcast, The Squash Buckler Diaries, my own indie thing. Uh, it is unlike anything you've ever read or heard and whatever you imagine that to be. When I said that, it's not that. So feel free to check that out, The Squash Buckler Diaries. I will see you next time. And for now, have an empowered day.